Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Today, we are honored and excited to have on our show physician, author, educator, minority health advocate, and former secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, Dr. Lewis Sullivan. We are especially excited to have Dr. Sullivan on the show because today is our 100th episode. And also, Dr. Sullivan is the founder of Weedy, the organization that produces this podcast and the preeminent national membership association for health IT guidance and collaboration. Among his many other accomplishments, Dr. Sullivan was founding dean and director of the Morehouse School of Medicine and also organized the Sullivan Alliance in 2005. The Sullivan Alliance raises awareness of the importance of and value of achieving racial and ethnic diversity in the health professions. Hello, and welcome to a very special 100th episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. I'm your host, Michael McNutt, Weedy's Director of Education and Events, sitting in for Matthew Albright. For nearly 30 years, Weedy has been an instrumental force in igniting public-private partnerships to empower meaningful changes for the American healthcare system. By convening healthcare leaders and organizations from across the healthcare spectrum and driving consensus-based solutions, Weedy has been successful in resolving current data exchange-related roadblocks and continuously motivates the industry towards administrative automation. Learn more about our association at WEDI.org. Dr. Sullivan, welcome back to Weedy. We are honored and happy to have you on our show. Well, thank you very much, Michael. It's my pleasure to join you and members of Weedy and your audience. Great. Um, as I mentioned, you formed Weedy, the work group for electronic data interchange, uh, back in 1991, while Secretary of HHS under President George H.W. Bush. Uh, what was going on at that time that prompted you to seek out more simplification in health data exchange? Who did you approach? Uh, and what was the response to that call to arms? Well, there were a number of things that led to uh, our taking action. First of all, during the course of the 20th century, the uh, amount of medical knowledge had grown exponentially. Number of new therapies, cures, understanding of diseases had broadened, et cetera. So we had the capability as health professionals to do a lot more than we had been able to do some decades uh, before. That was an advance. We really had development of vaccines, of antibiotics uh, during the 20th uh, century, new technologies in fields such as orthopedics and ophthalmology, gastroenterology, et cetera. So we had that capability. But along with this uh, increased capability, uh, we uh, had medical records that were developed, which were really paper records uh, in doc doctor's offices or hospital uh, libraries, et cetera. So when we had uh, our capability of improving the health of people, we also had a larger and larger medical record. And certainly in our hospitals, when a patient uh, may have been admitted, who'd been previously there, we might have a large paper record that uh, had been accumulated. Frequently, uh, when the patient was admitted and the record was sought from the uh, record library, uh, that would never arrive, it'd be lost somewhere along the way, or some papers were missing, et cetera. Meanwhile, the internet was being developed, and there were a number of people talking about the promise of the internet. How could we manage this amount of data uh, and use it effectively? 
uh, and have uh, uh, an improved outcome of the patient's care as a result of that. Among uh, many people talking about the internet was Dr. Don Lindbergh. Uh, Don was uh, head of the National Library of Medicine. He was a physician who had come to the National Library of Medicine from Washington University in St. Louis, but he was tremendously enchanted by the potential of the internet, wrote extensively about this, had conferences about it, met with medical librarians from around the country, hospitals, etc. And so uh, he in encouraged us, along with others in the field, to really look to the internet to develop a system to replace the paper uh, trail that we had we developed. So uh, with his encouragement, uh, we formed uh, the group the, the, that indeed was called the Working Group Electronic Data Interchange. It was co-chaired uh, by, first of all, the head of Blue Cross Blue Shield of America, which is based in Chicago. And it was a nonprofit insurance uh, organization at that time. And the other co-chair was head of a traveler's insurance company who represented the for-profit insurance companies uh, that were providing uh, insurance, health insurance. So we asked those two uh, leaders to work with the committee that we uh, formed to study this and come up with recommendations. They did a great job because they came out with a series of recommendations that led to the HIPAA legislation in 1994, uh, which paved the way for the development of the electronic um, medical record. As a result of that, now some three decades later, we have a system where the massive amount of information that's available can readily be made available to the doctor or the nurse or the hospital or the patient, uh, and the record doesn't have to be physically transported. It can be transported electronically, uh, and the system, of course, is used for scheduling appointments, follow-ups, managing data, etc. So in addition to the rapidity of which the information can be made available when it's needed, the costs of doing this have really decreased so that uh, we really have a more efficient system uh, serving our patients and our country very well. So that is really kind of a quick overview of what has happened. And it has made the possibility of a lot more uh, therapy available to our patients uh, around the country. Though we still have many challenges in our health system, but having the uh, electronic data interchange capability really helps us to provide care for our citizens. No, fantastic. And once again, thank you so much for bringing those folks together and, and making the necessary changes as we continue to evolve in healthcare. Um, you talk about challenges and one of the topics that have, uh, has received increased attention during this pandemic uh, was health equity. Uh, addressing health disparities in this country has been a priority mm -hmm. for the industry, including Weedy. Uh, and you co-wrote a book just last year entitled uh, We'll Fight It Out Here, A History of the Ongoing Struggle for Health Equity. Uh, please tell us a little bit about the book. Well, thank you very much. The book it really focuses on uh, the health inequities uh, in our country, which have existed uh, since the beginning of this of this nation. Uh, uh, they have um, decreased, but they still are quite uh, are present uh, here. It means that life expectancy for people who are poor or who are members of minority groups uh, or who have been otherwise marginalized, really the health status of these uh, people really as a group is less uh, uh, robust. 
Uh, it means that um, uh, life expectancy is shorter. For African-Americans, for example, uh, it is five to seven years shorter life expectancy. At the beginning of the 20th century, it was about 15 to 17 years health, uh, life expectancy health gap. So the, so the gap has narrowed, but it is still there. The same applies to members of other minority groups, Hispanics, Native Americans, uh, the LGBT uh, uh, community, and, and others. So this is really the result of a number of things, bias in the health system, because of our unfortunate history as a nation of slavery, followed uh, by uh, segregation and discrimination. Uh, there was a uh, publication from the Institute of Medicine in 2003 called Unequal Treatment. Brian Smedley was the editor of that, showing that there was not only explicit bias, but um, unconscious bias in the health system. Someone coming in, if he or she was a member of a minority group and was having pain, uh, might receive less optimal therapy for that because of the, the suspicion that that individual might really uh, not uh, be experiencing pain, but may be a drug addict who's trying to get uh, a drug fix, et cetera, uh, and other biases in, in the system. So we're working towards that. But this book describes um, the history of this in our country. And the COVID uh, pandemic uh, for the public really brought this to the fore in a very strong way. We saw this uh, resulting in Blacks uh, and Hispanics, Native Americans, and poor people, poor whites, having a higher mortality rate uh, from the COVID uh, than, uh, than middle-income or upper-income uh, whites. Uh, the access to health care is less because of lack of health insurance among these groups uh, or poverty or even intimidation uh, of the health system. We find that poor people and members of minority groups don't utilize physicians and other health professionals or hospitals as readily as, as others. So there are a whole array of factors that result uh, in the health inequities. And one of the important factors is loss of trust in the health system. Uh, we saw that in the vaccine hesitancy that resulted because we had the remarkable example of the technology that had been developed so that we were able to develop a vaccine within a year of a new virus and a vaccine that was very effective, very safe, but we had a significant number of people who did not accept the vaccine, did not take it because they didn't trust that it was effective or wanted to, to wait. And unfortunately, many of those people contracted the virus and became ill, hospitalized, and some died because of that. So, so the COVID vaccine uh, 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 issue really brought this to, to the fore. So the book is really about bias in the health system. What are the things to do to get rid of it. We are making progress, but uh, we really can contribute to this in a great way. For example, uh, in our rural areas uh, in the country, frequently health facilities and health personnel are not readily available. But through, through telehealth, people can c contact the doctor or nurse, get information about the condition or about uh, prescriptions, et cetera, and get the health care immediately. We need to work to see that our rural hospitals are preserved, uh, 
and that we get more health personnel in those areas, but all of those take time. So Weedy can really help fill the gap uh, in this way. So there are a number of ways uh, that this electronic data interchange can contribute to improving the health and health care of our citizens, including health education and improved health literacy, health literacy as well. Uh, because I maintain that going forward in the 21st century, if we can really engage our citizens uh, with their science, knowledge and understanding of science, uh, their utilization of these marvelous advances because they understand it and they trust it more, this will improve the health of our citizens in a remarkable way because we need to have the science, the health professionals with the capabilities, but we also need to have an educated citizenry so that people will know uh, about proper diet, proper health care, utilization of vaccines, et cetera, use of seat belts in our cars, uh, not uh, smoking uh, tobacco, other things like that. So we can play a central role in improving the health of our citizens in so many ways. Yep. And we're ready, willing, and able to assist you with that. Um, we've definitely baked in health equity with a lot of our education, including our health equity forum that we've held now for three straight years. So thank you very much. Um, you know, for helping us and guiding us to that, Dr. Sullivan. Uh, looking at the healthcare industry currently, a lot of what you hope to achieve during your time as secretary has actually come to fruition. Uh, more than ever, patients have access to their medical data. And with the help of emerging technologies, all parties are working to reduce burden and create more efficient data exchange. Um, you know, so far, you know, ever since the onset of Weedy, do you think we are on the right path toward this reduction of burden and efficient data exchange? Yes, I do. I, I have been quite impressed and very pleased um, uh, with the contribution that Weedy has made. It has certainly exceeded my expectations uh, and it is continues to evolve to become even more effective and more efficient. So I, I am very pleased um, with what has happened. Uh, some of the issues that I think uh, we need to address uh, for, include data security, because with the growth of the Internet and the various permutations, of course, we need to be sure that patient data is safe uh, and, and secure. That'll increase the utilization of, of the system. The, secondly, uh, the COVID pandemic that we referred to before really uh, has shown that there's too much, in, in my view, too much political interference in the system because whether or not you used a mask or practice social distancing became not a health issue, but became a political issue. That was totally inappropriate and unfounded because everyone needs to have good health care, whether you are Democrat, Republican, independent, or other. So it should not be that to get good health you have to be a particular member of a political a political party. So our nation's leaders really let us down uh, in having that uh, become uh, so political because those of us who, uh, who have pursued a career in the health professions, whether it's in nursing, <clears throat> pharmacy, medicine, uh, physical therapy, others, were guided by the principle of really helping individuals with their health care. The goal that if you have a healthy society, you have a more productive society that affects the economy, it affects uh, quality of life, 
It affects our life expectancy and in so many ways. So a basic principle that health professionals try to adhere to is in protecting and improving and enhancing the health of our citizens. If we do that, we will really be a stronger nation economically, socially, greater social stability, et cetera. So we really will have an increasingly important role to play. And having uh, the ability to work with our community leaders so that health really is no mystery, but it's something that people are comfortable dealing with or talking about uh, and also challenging their health professional to be sure they're getting the right therapy or they're getting the right information, the questions are answered. So this uh, system of Weedy really is in the midst of all of this and the improvements that we look to occur in the coming decades, Weedy will really be helping that in so many ways. Weedy assisting the healthcare national issue of healthcare at the community level, which is, I, I think, a fantastic way of seeing it. Um, thank you. Now, this has been a, a fantastic discussion with Dr. Lewis Sullivan, former secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services and founder of Weedy, the organization that produces this show. Uh, Dr. Sullivan, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show, taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, It's truly been an honor. How can folks get your book, Uh, We'll Fight It Out Here, A History of the Ongoing Struggle for Health Equity? Well, thank you. The the book was published uh, this past October by the Johns Hopkins University Press and is available either by ordering it from the Johns Hopkins Press or on Amazon. It's a story about the association that we formed back in 1977 to improve access to health care for poor and minorities uh, and to also increase the diversity, racial and ethnic uh, and gender diversity in the health professional health professions so that our citizens would be well served. So those of you who are interested, uh, we hope that you read the book, learn a lot about our history, what has been accomplished, what is yet to uh, uh, be accomplished. So if we do that, Hopefully, we'll be a healthier healthier nation here in the 21st century going forward. Excellent. Yes, sir. This has been the 100th episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast, where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find this episode and many more on our website, wedi.org. Thank you all for joining us and be safe.